it was always part of the plan to put a brewery in, but for many years it, it was just a plan. It's 100% acquisition of Green Beacon. No, we had a chat with everybody. Anyone would have seen this coming a mile away. It's the passion and the, the dedication to beer and brewing. Oh, yeah. That's super simple and direct question. It's always fun to get to speak about beer. Hi, I'm Brews News Editor Matt Kirkegaard, and that's just what we're here to do, talk about beer and the brewing industry, and have a conversation with the people who make the industry what it is, and see what we can learn from them. And this week, we have a special panel discussion recorded live at the recent Craft Brewers Conference in Nashville. 2023 has been a pivotal year for the brewing industry here, as it has been in the United States. And the current state of the market was a significant topic of discussion at this year's Craft Brewers Conference. A large contingent of Australians was there, attending the event, and immediately after the conference closed, I was interested in hearing the first impressions from some of those that were in attendance. It was a very informal, spontaneous group that I chatted with, but it's a group of senior industry representatives. The panel is Adam Tripp-Smith, founder and managing director of Convoy Kegs, Nick Boots, founder of the Business of Beer, and Phil Meddings, joint CEO of Bintani Australia. And this is their first thoughts and takeaways from the Craft Brewers Conference. Adam Tripp-Smith, Phil Meddings, Nick Boots, uh, welcome to Nashville, <laughs> I, I, I should say. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we're sitting here just as the packing up starts at the end of the Craft Brewers Conference in uh, Nashville for 2023. And I uh, wanted to have a chat to you guys about you know, what you see as the key themes is a very interesting time in the craft beer industry. There's been a lot of talk about what's going on and what's going to happen. And I uh, just want to get your thoughts. So, Nick, maybe you can lead off with what are your key takeaways or what are the major themes you've seen coming out of this conference? Thanks, Matt. Um, yeah, look, it's been an amazing couple of days here. Um, you know, I think I heard on day one that there's 51 countries represented here, um, 11,000 delegates. Uh, and some amazing speakers and insights uh, that have been shared with us. And so much of it parallels what we're seeing, you know, in Australia and have seen in the past. So that necessarily wasn't new news, but I think some of the softening in demand um, that we're seeing in Australia, um, I was really interested on this visit to see if they're, they're seeing that over here and the, the shift to spirits and beyond beer and, and those trends as well. And um, they most certainly are. Um, so listening to, to what they're doing over here um, to, to combat that and in some cases be part of that um, has been a really interesting debate and really insightful. Uh, and it's just been fantastic catching up with, with so many uh, global industry players in the craft space uh, who've, um, who've shared their, their thoughts and experience with us all. Adam Tripp-Smith, what's your key takeaways? What have you really learned? Yeah, hi Matt, and, and thanks for arranging this while everyone else is packing up. It's got me out of uh, packing up kegs and everything, so I really appreciate that. Uh, well, my perspectives are probably different to yours and, and Nick's because I've been on the floor all day at the Expo for the last three days. Um, so first and foremost, it's great to see everyone back. You know, it's been three trying years and, and to the, this year was a lot better uh, a lot better and bigger and busier than last year in Minneapolis. But I still observe that it's you know, it's still a bit quieter and, and there's, for me anyway, noticeably less suppliers. There's, there's new ones and all the big usual ones there, but the adjacencies to what we do, where previously at CBC you could rock up and buy anything you needed from a, a pen, you know, through to a whole brew house. Um, I still think, a lot of those smaller niche are bouncing back, i.e. and they weren't here. Um, 
but there was still a lot of positivity in the room on the on the flip side from a so from a delegate's point of view people walking around having a chat I was still amazed to be talking to people that are planning a brew a brew house or a brew pub or a production brewery I'm like okay well you look at the data and you know and, and it, you may assume that it's challenged but there's still fresh faces out there thinking this industry is great I'm going to have a crack I'm going to start up and that you know hopefully will fuel it and keep us all going there will be economic challenges but you know it's fresh it's 25 minutes we've walked out of the hall and we're now debriefing um my team and i are going to de- debrief later this afternoon and actually gather our thoughts about what we've learned but uh you know i think there's some mixed messages but but it's just great to have everyone back and i think actually having it in nashville as well fun town as we all know has you know dragged a lot of people here and to see all the uh, the Aussies and the Kiwis and the Brits out last night having a drink with us, you know, showed that there's a lot here and, and it's not cheap these days. Travel's gone up. So to see the Southern Hemisphere folk traveling here shows that they're committed to learning, committing to investing, you know, and, and spending the money to be here. Phil, how about you? What, what have you seen? Uh, yeah, thanks, mate. Good to, uh, good to talk and be in such esteemed company. Apart from hearing a lot of country music, uh, and I'm surprised and a bit disappointed that this isn't a country music podcast because uh, <laughs> I'm here under. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, look. I'll, I'll always stand by you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm flattered. Hey, um, no, no. In all seriousness, uh, a lot of the things we're seeing in Australia are are not that far behind uh, what's happening over here in the US in terms of some fluctuation in demand for beer, some softening, changes in the beer styles, and. Uh, price points, pack formats, those sorts of things. But uh, as Adam said, the underlying strength of the industry is evident as well. There's still people drinking beer. There's still people that like flavour. And um, I think the challenge for us is to change and innovate and keep producing products, keep offering products that that get the next generation of drinkers uh, into beer and keep them excited. Uh, there's a bit of hope that Economic tightening sees people move away from more expensive beverages and, and back into beer, so yeah, that may play out, but I think you can't sort of sit and wait and hope for that. It's about innovating and change in the in the brewery, so whether that's your portfolio that you offer or, or the ingredients that you use. Uh, so that's one observation. Um, challenging, but strength in it. The second observation is that just in, in our space, in the ingredients, uh, there's some oversupply in hops, which is pretty clear. But that seems to be being acted on by hop growers and, and you know, we'll see how successful it is. It's a difficult balance to get right between demand and supply, but it's important that there's attempts made to do that. So I think there's going to be some interesting um, pricing, availability, all those sorts of things in hops over the next couple of years. But again, that's nothing new. We've seen that before as well. So, yeah, but apart from that, lots of, lots of good chats and lots of nice beers and plenty of good music. So... And it, it's, I guess, as Adam said, it's uh, very expensive, but it's also well worth coming. But, you know, certainly the lessons that come from here are worth, which is, I guess, why we're recording the podcast. But each of you have talked about the softening of the numbers. And for anyone that hasn't yet read the summary I did from Bart Watson's talk, uh, you know, zero growth for craft um, over the last year. Uh, regional breweries went down by 2%. Um, small breweries stayed fairly static um, but there was some positivity in brew pubs in, in, in small breweries so um, they saw growth of around about seven percent um, 
one of the major themes I've seen isn't so much, as you said, Phil, bringing new people to beer, bringing new drinkers into the category. It's been how do brewers get into the beyond beer category. In fact, the, the conference is uh, themed beer and beyond. And uh, there's been a real um, theme in, in, in that. Do you guys have any thoughts on getting into your yeah, brewers, um, getting into some of the beer adjacent categories, which seems to be where the thinking is that growth will come from in, in, in the near future? Look, from what I've seen, and I guess where we start to look with our ingredients offering uh, is, is probably down the path of what we've started to see people move into anyway, which is probably less bitterness in some of the beverages, um, your hazy beers and uh, lagers continuing to take a more prominent position on a beer list. Whether or not it sort of moves to, you know, the seltzer type RTD beverages and how breweries embrace that, you know, that's I think that's going to be really individual choice. And I think the thing that I would, if you know, in my thoughts would be is that you've got a position you're offering to what the people you want in your venue are going to want to drink. So I certainly, with a brewery, wouldn't be looking to uh, change the complexion, the whole shape of the business, but you know, evolution in a product portfolio of beer offering is, is really important. And I think, you know, from an ingredients perspective, there's not a, um, there's always things coming on that help that, but uh, it's not as if we're going to start you know, selling cordial or, um, you know, spirits or anything like that. But yeah. Yeah. Um, good point, Phil. I, I agree with you. Uh, but it was interesting, you know, I was at a session only two hours ago and um, up on the stage were the founders of Maui Brewing. Uh, and Dogfish Head, so two iconic American craft breweries. And they talked about evolving their businesses um, from uh, from a beer company um, to a beverage company and, and really broadening um, their product offering uh, to suit all occasions uh, and all consumer types. And, and they don't apologise for that and they think it's been one of the secrets of their success um, for many years. You know, Dogfish Head, for example, launched a distillery uh, 20 years ago. Um, as an adjacency to, to the brewing business. Uh, and then Sam shared too that he'd actually he'd launched um, a coffee brand as well with Dogfish Head on it, etc. Um, you could argue that might have been a bit of a stretch, um, but uh, they're very open-minded to the fact that, you know, traditional drinkers um, are looking for for alternatives to beer and to grow their repertoire. Uh, and if they don't, well, we as craft brewers and craft brewing industry uh, don't start to provide more options in that space, then those consumers will continue to move to, to distilled spirits um, and the like. And that's so it's a challenge, but you know, certainly over here in the US, they seem to be embracing that as an opportunity. And you can still create um, products that are beyond beer, but still maintain your, your credibility and your quality and your brand focus um, in, your, in your beer business. Yeah, I think that works here where my observation of the US market, when there's a, I'll, I'll call it a fad, but a new a new wave, they really embrace it. So suddenly you've got hazy IPAs become the thing and then Nipahs and then Celsus and whatnot. I think it's fine for this market and and it's more people, bigger businesses and they can diversify. I'm not sure it really works in Australia where we're, I would say, a bit more traditional in our, we've got beer, we've got wine we've got spirits and we're not probably going to have those waves as much as they see here. And therefore I think we all just need to specialize in what we're good at 
and if that's beer or a brew pub or a production brewery do that, there'll be a role for the major beverage companies to provide that diversified portfolio. And I'm sure we'll see some of the larger breweries do that. And Nick, your previous business, you know, with, with Stone and Wood, became Fermentum, did that for successfully. But in a market of 25 million people, I don't know how many of us can actually do that. Um, and therefore, I think it comes back to grassroots, promoting beer, promoting having drinks with friends, getting, you know, not going through the phase we did where we used to sit down and critique a beer and check the IBU and all that, but actually back to old school hospitality. And as we're all about to do after this podcast with someone we just bumped to in the hall, go and have a beer and have a chat. And I think that's what will keep or, or, or get the, the headwinds away from us and get the tailwinds behind us to help beer sort of keep, keep growing. But I'm not saying it's going to be easy because I think looking at it now, you know, arguably we may have too many, you know, producers, breweries, brands out there. And, uh, and so you're going to have to be really good, I guess, to keep growing because from a consumer point of view, there's heaps. But from a business point of view, and we're all seeing it, it's a lot harder. Um, so I, I don't think any of us have the answer here, um, but I think specialising in doing one thing well is what will serve most best um, and not trying to diversify because I don't think we can have examples that work in the US of you know brands diversifying into other things like Sam was talking about at Dogfish. I haven't seen that really work successfully in Australia. You know, I think we're very much more about the brand, the artisan and everything behind it as opposed to brand extensions and, and rolling out into different adjacencies. Um, I can't think of one that has really worked in Australia in, in the beverage space. You can uh, prove uh, me wrong now? Or? Well, no, no mate, I, um, I, I'm not. But We I, don't all want to agree. I, That's the. Uh, I, I do think um, there are some inroads being made and two that come to mind um, are Young Henry's with their their gin and their G&T, RTD, uh, uh, seem to be getting some good traction there, so credit to them for that. And um, I know even look at the likes of Wayward, you know, I've got a seltzer on the market, which has now become quite a significant part of their business. Well, Four um, Pines, the uh, Brooklyn Standard, uh, Brooklyn Union is yeah, bigger than the, than the beer arm. Um, but again, I'd, I'd, well, I'd, I'd, if we're going to break that down into, I would sort of start throwing that they're not models that would work for everybody because some of the particular business dynamics behind Young Henry's and... Uh, yeah, uh, and that scale. And yeah. to that point, I think Adam's spot on, on the mark that, you know, if you're if you're not a large-scale business, don't try and be all things to all people. Um, but if you are and you have that capacity and you feel like your your beers have started to, to hit, um, you know, a maximum scale, then, you know, maybe you need to look sideways into other categories because certainly drinkers... Um, are looking sideways and those lines have been blurred now for a number of years between what is wine, what is an RTD, what is a beer and, and you know, I think the, the RTD and spirits producers, it's in their interest, interest to continue to blur them. You only need to look at the success of, you know, Canadian club, um, you know, over beer. That's targeted straight at beer. What I don't think the brewing industry has done well is, well, how do we get a piece of their of their pie? Yeah, and and, and uh, that's the one thing I haven't very oddly haven't heard in the craft brewers conference at a time of no growth. Everyone's looking at how do we grow into other categories. I've don't think I've seen a seminar or a talk or a thought leadership piece on how do we continue the growth of beer. Um, it's kind of like well. We've gone as far as we can. Everyone who wants to drink beer is drinking beer, and that's it. The, which seemed like a really unusual approach for the Brewers Brewers Association to take. 
yeah, I mean, <laughs> beer's been around for a long time and it is, is one of the – it's the ultimate occasion, occasional drink, uh, flexible occasional drink. And um, it's also an incredible carrier of flavour and you only have to look at the diversity of beers that come out of all the different regions of the world, the Belgian fruit beers and um, – you know things we've done with flavor additives in in uh, natural natural additives in a base beer it's incredible the different type of beverage that can be created from a legitimate brewed beer so i think i think experimenting with with the tools that are there to actually create different beverages is is critical and looking at where your consumers uh, the occasions where they want to consume your beer, whether it's in, in a music venue or at a sporting event or at a barbecue or in a dive bar, it's it's potentially different beverages for different um, to- uh, times. And so, you know, innovating to have those available for people is really important. Then you've got the sort of whole demographics that, you know, the Gen Z sort of demographics coming into it as well. Um, so, yeah. I, the other one, that I, one thing I was surprised about, I didn't, hear so much this year about uh, the cannabis uh, CBD in beer Um, it doesn't it didn't seem to me as though that had sort of become huge unless I've missed it but um, it was certainly a bit of a buzz last year at the the CBC but um, that was one of the articles I wrote was exactly about that because that seemed to be the, the the coming trend yeah, oh, maybe I'm stalking you, Matt. And, uh, oh, no. no. I, see, I actually do read your stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no, but, but it, it, it was one of the trends that I pulled out last year, yeah. and I, I think you're spot on. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't seen – there has been still some concentration on low alk, but not the low alk paired with the, the, the THC. Yeah, the low alk's an interesting one. Um, I haven't seen a lot of that around at the Honky Tonks, uh, so, <laughs> which is unfortunate. Nor at Convoy Vitale Drinks last night. No, no. We, we needed a low alk. <laughs> But um, yeah, but I found it very interesting that actually the one caveat I'll say to that is looking at making beer more inclusive because of yeah there was that data that came out from Bart Watkins' talk that increasingly women and uh, BIPOC, um, Black, Indigenous, people of colour um, groups are drinking alcohol, but they're not drinking beer, and it's their least likely um and, and w- which is one of the issues with the perception of beer and you know potentially being a little bit uh, controversial here but you know I, I went to a beer festival on saturday night and i'll be honest i didn't see myself reflected there um you know like a, a middle-aged white guy um who doesn't have tats and truckers caps and those sorts of things. you know you know you, I, missed, you missed opinionated 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 middle-aged white guy <laughs> Well, I'm privileged, you know, so you know, uh, I've got a podcast. Um, but yeah, and and there has been a lot of talk about how beer reaches out to them, but not a lot of solutions um, because a lot of people who are making those calls fit into the, that same category where they do feel uh, included. But um, yeah, I, as an industry, we still haven't had a campaign. Nick, you were saying about um, some of the drinks, the better over beer campaign. Um, we haven't seen campaigns for the beer category the way that you know over 10 12 15 years Aperol has very effectively made itself that afternoon you know it, it, it's afternoon going into the evening you want a nice refreshing drink and the odd thing is that brewers are sort of saying oh people aren't drinking beer because beer is bitter but if you've had an Aperol you know 
Aperol is bitterness in it. So it's clearly not the problem. It is the perception of the product that carries the bitterness. Coffee, tea, Negroni is the hottest cocktail, one of the hottest cocktails at the moment. Very, very bitter. Um, and you have to approach that bitterness. The industry isn't take, tackling that challenge of selling the idea of beer the way uh, spirits has. And I think it needs to be a long-term approach mm. and investment, and it's probably just not from the IBA, but it's probably you know the broader industry in Australia over a sustained decade, perhaps, to to change that perception, um, most certainly, and it's something that they've recognised here as well. Uh, and I also did hear a comment that the again the distilled spirits people have have recognised fifteen years ago, you know where the market was that, and they they launched the campaign targeting that mass category called beer and they're having success all around the world um so it's i think it's up to the beer industry broadly to um to tackle that so any other takeaways has anyone noticed any other key themes yeah just an example of probably some pretty smart targeting of of customers the the honky tonks here in nashville only poured you know the light lagers bud lights cause lights all those sorts of things a few years ago this year, there's a lot more craft beer, and there's there's actually some craft beers that are specifically made for that target audience. Um, there's the hippies and cowboys, um, Happen Harry's Lager, but there there's a couple of local breweries that have specifically targeted honky tonks, and these these venues are just pouring millions of liters of beer, and it's and it's really worked for them. So so craft has actually has actually you know done a good job of penetrating a pretty traditional lager market in the honky tonks, and um, and I think it's a good example of what what can be done in Australia as well. Do you have any understanding of how they, they, they did that? Like, did, did they position it because the mainstream lagers were on the nose and they wanted something fresh but tasted the same but had a fresher brand presence? Or uh, I suspect it's to fulfil demand of drinkers, but it's also got enough um, sort of specific quirky targeting. Hippies and Cowboys, are, I can't remember who wrote it, but it's a country song, and... Um, uh, and I'd, I'd imagine there's something with price point as well. These places are pretty pretty high turnover businesses that are going to be sharp on that. So um, there'd be a bit of a volume game in it for the breweries. But but I think that's probably it. It's probably just sort of the demand was there from the the drinkers, and they they pitched a product that hit the tick the right boxes. And yeah, it was funny. I went to a demographic um, looking at Gen Z, and local is one of the. The, the huge buzzwords that really resonates with people. So I was actually wondering whether it might have been... They're both local breweries. Yeah. 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 yeah very local. For, for listeners, you know, brewing businesses in Australia who weren't here, um, you know, is, is there any advice based on the things that... And I take your point, ATS, that you haven't had a chance to really reflect on it, but any you know, immediate reactions that you would be uh, recommending breweries at home other than getting into convoy kegs? <laughs> Uh, and also track your kegs if you own kegs with Convoy's Catch Solution. Um, I had to I had to get that in because I'm sitting across from Bootsy here who's got four different logos on his. Uh, he's wearing a beer fan's hat. He's got the Business of Beer t-shirt on. He's got a Fermentus lanyard on. And on the back of his badge it says Con- Convoy. So he's covering all bases. Covering all Matt, bases, you need yeah. to get a Bruise News on him. Um, we don't put it on ourselves. I <laughs> and now he's wearing Convoy sunglasses. Well done. I think, and, it, and I'm... People won't be surprised to hear me say this, but capital still, I, I've, you know, watched a lot of breweries start over the last five years and having once started one myself back in 2008 as a business and then later doing an actual brew house, I am staggered by the investment needed 
to get something up and running these days. And I continually think we all, me included in businesses I've been involved in, are always underestimating the amount of capital it needs to get uh, to financial viability. Um, so that's being a bit blunt and real about it. Uh, but if you're going to go into this market, and I'm, I'm talking about Australia, New Zealand, not, not the US, it's, it's very competitive. I think everyone's really, really good. Um, you know, in 2008, I entered as a clueless finance guy that, you know, shouldn't have succeeded. Uh, these days, everyone is really, really good. So I think the competition and the quality is high. But, you know, there's still too, you know, to be frank, still too many breweries using excise payments as a bank and, and things like that. You know, that's you, you need to be capitalised. You need to focus on cash flow. The road to a, you know, a sale to one of the majors isn't a path that exists anymore, in my opinion. There'll be one or two now and then. But it's, it's I think you've got to get back to old school cash flow and and that means doing everything well in your business getting capital in to start it in the first place so you're not bleeding cash flow to get up and running but then actually making gross margin covering your overheads paying your salaries paying your taxes and actually having money left at the end of it to keep to keep growing because unfortunately and we've seen some you know recently and i think the tightening hasn't really hit us yet because the interest rate pain in australia hasn't yet kicked in you know i worry that there'll be more this doesn't mean people shouldn't start. I just think you've got to be very, very realistic about the investment needed uh, and the fact that you may not fly to a million litres in the first six months like you know some have done over the last 10 years. Um, you're going to have to grind it out. And that's you know maybe a bit sobering, but also you know, what are my observations here? With advice like that, you might have to give him a job, Nick. <laughs> I think we'll all need the business of beer to help us out. Phil? I couldn't agree more. Uh, some of the voluntary administrations we've seen lately, you look through those accounts and you see negative gross margins year on year is staggering. I think if you've got a targeted strategy maybe for one product line into one market or whatever and you take a gross margin hit, well, that's one thing, but but consistently running at negative gross margin is just insanity. Um, you know, on the CapEx side, the capital is is dead right and I think from the trade show floor this year, there was a lot less talk about things like CO2 recovery and some of the more um, uh, experimental or innovative mm, capital investments. Point, yeah. um, I, th- I think every brewing business seems to be uh, cash, having to watch their cash flow really, really carefully. And, and that's not a bad thing, refocusing on what makes your business run, which markets are your most profitable. Um, which products are your most profitable? I think that's that's healthy for a business to do that, and it it, it sort of comes back to the stage of maturity of the market. The, there was a graph that Bart Watson put up showing op- brewery openings and closings, and ten years ago the gap, you know, there was a heap more openings and closings. Well, this year it's it's just completely it's narrowed, and there the lines are almost together. So mm. we've all expect them to come one in one out. One in, one out, exactly. So once you once you approach that point, it's telling you that the market's at, at sort of saturation almost, and um, and it's about yeah, it's it's very close. It's a, maybe next year it might hit. So it's looking like uh, at that point, your business has to be has to be running really well, and you've got to be um, holding your customers, and it'll be a sort of a market share game then. Yeah, Nick. Yeah, look, echo, echo Phil's thoughts, and 
you know, it does feel like, and there were some questions asked from the floor about, so what does success look like in the next few years? Um, and w one of the clear answers was, yes, understanding and having full control of your business, um, having the right planning and, and structure in, in place. You know, in one of the seminars I was in, you guys talked about cash flow. Um, they said, show of hands, who's got a cash flow budget for their brewery? So there would have been, say there was 150, 200 breweries represented in the room. I think probably a quarter put their hand up and said, yes, we've got, we've got a cash flow budget. The rest are like, no, we, we need to get to that. You know, so that's, I think getting control of that um, is, is, is absolutely crucial um, for, for that long-term success. And then they talked about, you know, how can you just find, you know, the 1% one, the 1 wins, you know. I sound like an AFL commentator talking <laughs> about the one percenters. Um, wish the Swans could find a few more of them at the moment, maybe ten percent. Um, and um, you know, so how do how do I get a bit more out of my online store or build an online store? How do I get a bit more out of my tap room? How do I improve my merch range? Um, independent retail, national accounts, uh, on-premise environment. How can I get two or three percent growth um, out of those individually, uh, which ultimately will keep me moving forward but it's I think at the moment it's about moving the pieces forward on the chessboard um, and not trying to go straight for checkmate at the moment but just subtly move them forward and even if you stand still but you get greater financial control of your business over the next year or two uh, and you're profitable then that might and you're having fun most importantly uh, that's um that might equal success well mine uh, is and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this one is there's been so much talk about looking at what the next thing is when, when somebody finds it, not everybody needs to do it. Do the next thing that's right for your business um, rather than just jumping onto the next fad if it goes against your brand or whatever. And Because we've seen so many, everyone doing the same thing, which actually kills that thing. Uh, yeah, and that's, I guess that, that's along the lines of the first point I made, which is, you know, your business has a brand. It has something that makes it important to your current customers. My thoughts are that, you know, you don't completely change that. You 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 keep the essence, retain the essence of that, but you do need to keep innovating and changing and looking for uh, what the next generation of people are looking for and the ones that you aren't reaching. Without, you know, you, you do want to you do want to offer products that people want. That's what business is. You know, sell something that people want, um, and, and and try and do that in a way that retains your what your business is all about. Well, that's what I was going to say. Sell the things that the people want from you was the last two yes. words I was going to add from that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, this is sort of going back half a step, but I'm not sure what it sort of how it translates in Australia. It's probably more difficult, but there's some talk here in the US about changes to distribution um, laws. They've got the three tier distribution system with some pretty strict rules in, and it does vary between states. But strict rules about who does what. You can't do you can't do all three. There's talk that some of those rules are going to be eased up to allow better access to market for the craft breweries. So, you know, I think, I think market access is clearly identified here as a, as, as a point where reform's needed. We've got different challenges in Australia, but I uh, sort of wonder what that, what that means for Australia. And uh, there's certainly the market is, can be difficult to reach. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think out of our 1.8 billion litres of beer, there's an enormous proportion of that that, most independent craft breweries just can't access. Yeah, yep. so that is a huge issue. Last point before we go, and this is just my observation. I would be interested to hear your thoughts. 
I've consciously not gone chasing breweries, you know, going to the fabled breweries to have the fabled beers, just having going places that the currents and the eddies of people take me and just drinking what's there and which I think gives a fairly good cross-section of beers and I'll, I'll be honest I actually think that the beer that's coming out of Australia the beers that we make in Australia are really on par and if not on average better than a lot of the beers that I've had here. Yeah, I've got the mic so I'll just jump in <laughs> first but I completely agree with that the quality in Australia stacks up so well compared to what we're having here. Uh, I need to do a bit more research for the rest of the week though. So um. <laughs> Just to <laughs> test that hypothesis. Yeah, I don't want to diss the US, but I've always thought that. I think I think we've always punched above our weight. Probably probably have had to. We haven't had the flourish of, you know, they've had thousands and thousands and thousands, you know, and there's, there's not really a regulation of it all. You know, and the BA's had that focus on quality. Um, having, having said that, been out and about in town this week, you know, I've just been into a couple of small brew pubs and I was out impressed and found outstanding the quality of the beer, the quality of the pizza and, and everything like that. So I'm, I think absolutely that uh, Australia is punching above its weight. Um, but I'm, I'm also interested to hear from you guys when we sort of wrap up this topic, just on a positive note in Nashville, what, what's, what have been the great experiences? You know, whether that's been a, a bar that's doing it well, a brewery that's doing it well, you know, a restaurant or whatever, this, this town is known for it for it all and Phil's quite an expert on uh, the honky tonk bars and he can tell us his favorite but um, I mean the example I'm giving is little little which I think is a little brew pub um, and not associated with anything else called Smith and Lens and we just happened to rock in there Saturday night I think it was uh, when others were at the Kentucky Derby and um, it was outstanding and I'm probably planning to go back tonight for you know for that reason so to just see so that's a business to me that had knew what it wanted to do really good beer really good pizza it had eight lagers you know it had lagers pilsners etc like there was a and as well as you know eight, eight or nine ipas lots of pizza and they were nailing any, everything um in our opinion um and wasn't from a big group or wasn't from a big brewery and it didn't feel like they were trying to do more than that you know they were doing one thing really well and um and it was great it was great to see that and and then to have other people come and talk to us about kegs or keg tracking who again were starting to you know and i'm not bring it to that reason but they've had found their niche we're going to start up a you know there's plenty of breweries in oregon um but, but they had plans to start up a new pub brew pub they knew their you know their focus and how they're going to achieve success so it's fantastic if i had to pick one um observation and a really positive takeaway matt um is probably the diversity i've seen uh here that um i've seen a lot of really capable successful women um push to the fore and really take um, a leading role in the, in the conference over a couple of days and clearly it's that's on the, the BA's agenda uh, here in the US um, and I know it's also on the agenda for the IBA uh, in Australia but I think that's been a real positive and some really uh, inspirational women and it's really shown um, that our industry um, can benefit from, from more diversity uh, across it and um, yeah for Since me the that's... podcast with four white guys on it. Yeah, 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 no, yeah, good observation. <laughs> no, no, but it, um, that's, that's just, yes. you, you were the three closest people to me when I uh, uh, record. Uh, then, um, oh, is that how you selected it? Oh, right, jeez, okay. Um, no, that was, um, mate, that was certainly, uh, that was certainly one uh, positive. And um, obviously we've talked about, you know, some sobering stats, but um, there's still a, a lot of positivity um, and um, there is upside there, but, you know, that upside is probably going to be um, harder fought 
to achieve, um, and it's probably going to be single-digit growth rather than, than double. Uh, but that's that's just the norm in just about any industry in the We've in come the world. out of a historically unusual period, yeah. both of finan- economically and financially, but then that's been overlaid with beers, you know, craft beers, period, you know, when, when it's had, had growth, and it's defining how the business operates now in what Bart Watson called the new normal. I think a great analogy or comparison is probably the property market in, yeah. in Australia, that, you know, the boom of the last couple of years has been unprecedented, and as have the low interest rates, now they're getting back to some normality, you know, it feels like it really hurts um, to, to homeowners and mortgage uh, holders, but the reality is it's... It's just getting back to closer to normal. We've yep. just forgotten what normal looks like. Yep. Do you have anything, Phil? I just think um, the industry has changed and innovated over the last 10 to 15 years just so much and it's just it's, it just needs to keep doing that um, and pick up on on the signals that the market's giving. You know, it, Remember at the, the early days of no one would brew a lager, no one would filter anything, no one would use a process aid, you know, fruit, uh, downstream hot products. All of these things have, have changed, pasteurisation. It, it, the whole... The whole um, uh, rules and whatever is is all changed. People are embracing new things. We've got to keep doing that. Hazy beer, obviously, has been a, a huge one, but yeah, there'll be others. Um, you know, the fruity the fruity beer thing didn't really work um, so well uh, um, for us Ahi, I guess. But uh, um, but they're trying stuff again. It's trying you, exactly. You never give anyone. You know, and, and if pellets are going towards sweeter products, then then you know, well. Test it. Give it a try and, and, yeah. and see, yeah. yeah. That's a good point, Phil, to wrap up for me is that, um, uh, and I say this to, to a number of breweries, we're not just brewing beers for ourselves and our mates. You know, we're, we're brewing the film for, for drinkers. Um, and one another thing that we saw in the opening address was looking at those demographics and consumer types and say, right, you know, the beer market is traditionally, you know, this, this white, you know, adult male. Uh, and, but there is certainly in diversity here in the US and we've, We've got slightly less in Australia, but it's changing. Um, how do we produce, you know, beer products or beverages um, out of our breweries and brewing businesses that appeal to um, different race, different genders, different age groups, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. So, you know, they don't mature and switch onto to wine or whiskey at a later age or whatever the case may be. Um, and there's also a lot of talk about occasions. So, um, how can we actually just make beer? Um, more appealing and applicable for for different occasions, and I think zero um, and no alcohol and, and ultra low has done a really solid job in that space. Uh, but there's let's not stop there. There's got to be more more mm. than that. Well, I just wanted to wrap up with a yeah. question of you, Matt. I noticed you uh, in a honky tonk called Whiskey Row in the wee hours of uh, last night. Uh, did you have a good night? And did you uh, make any song requests of the band? I did not make any song requests. Uh, I was just happy to sing along with what, we, what they were playing. If you had made a request, what would it have been? Uh, I, I, you're putting me on the spot now. I don't know. Oh, well, you put us on the spot with this podcast. So. <laughs> uh, oh, I, I don't know. Well, it, it, I mean, they played Sweet Child of Mine. That's always a great ah. guitar, you know, guitar-led uh, song, perfect for that. So I probably would have asked for something along those lines. Fantastic. Good to know. <laughs> As we head off, uh, well, some of us head off to the Hoodoo Gurus tonight. Next year, um, anyone who's interested in going or... We'll, otherwise, we'll probably be coming from uh, live from Las Vegas this time next year. Uh, April 21st to 24th, uh, CBC will be in Las Vegas, and uh, I think they're already starting to uh, promote that. Um, April 21 to 24th, Las Vegas, which is uh, kind of like Nashville, but without the music. It is. I understand that the lead sponsor of CBC next year is a business called The Business of Beer. <laughs> so uh, hopefully we'll all get invited along uh, to, the, to the function. 
<laughs> and it won't be uh, it won't be like a hangover movie reboot <laughs> good on you guys thank you very much for joining us uh, on, on the podcast and enjoy the rest of your time in Nashville thanks Pat thank you and that was Adam Tripp Smith Nick Boots and Phil Meddings I thank them for giving up some of their time at a very busy conference if you like this conversation and would like to make sure that we can continue to report on the Craft Rules Conference and other events for you, you can help us out. If you're a business that wants to reach professional brewers and brewery owners, we think we're the most targeted way to do that. We have the conversations that the industry listens to and you can be part of them as well. Shoot through an email to sam at brewsnews.com.au to find out how you can advertise or even just support Brews News. If you're a listener, you can kick in a few dollars yourself. There's a link in the show notes. Or you can review us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting service. And you can email us at producer at brewsnews.com.au to share your thoughts. You can also join our Facebook group uh, called Radio Brews News on Facebook. We'll be back later this week with more news and views on the news of the week.